0: Blessed Pope Pius IX, he's often, um, I mean, there is, I think, some mythologizing about his sympathy for the South to the, to the, uh, I've, I've heard some things that are, have been, in fact, I've stated some things about his sympathies for the South that I've had people sort of fact check me on that were somewhat exaggerated. Can you tell us what was the actual position of Blessed Pius IX on the, on the South?
1: I can, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, the fourth or fifth chapter, I forget, I don't have the book uh, in my hand right now, so I don't want to give you the, you know, falsely (laughs) misquote my own book. It's either chapter four or five. It's either, I think it's the penultimate chapter right before the the conclusion, but the name of the chapter is called Across the Sea. After I've done kind of an investigation of the bishops, uh, chaplains, soldiers, sister nurses, I finish one of my final chapters is, is specifically on Confederate diplomacy and uh, yeah, I can tell you all about that in that I think you're correct. I think the so-called people who fact-checked you or whatever maybe had their own facts uh, mistaken. Pius IX, from what I researched, was an out-and-out Confederate sympathizer, 100%. There is no question. To his credit, as you mentioned earlier, the the wonderful interview that I had with uh, Steve Cunningham recently, and he is he's great, um, he, he asks very, very good questions too, and him and I were talking about this. Um Pope Pius the, the the ninth to his credit told the Confederacy, uh, you know, I am vicar of Christ and I cannot support you because the war has become about slavery, and I, I as the you know as the Pope I cannot support this. Not, not just being in lockstep with all of Europe, but I think truly out of like you know we're all brothers in Christ, and uh, I know me now speaking as Pius the ninth speaking to the Confederate envoys. I know that the war started uh, just to preserve the Union, and that's true, of course. Lincoln shoots down many opportunities to have an Emancipation Proclamation. A lot of his final issuing of that in the wake of the Battle of Antenum, uh effective January 1st of '63, is kind of political and stuff. Pius says to these Confederate guys, I know that you know, in the beginning of the war it wasn't so much about that, uh, but now with the, the issuing of the Emancipation Proclamation and worldwide opinion, and we're a year after this now, um, I cannot support your side officially because you are fighting a war for slavery. Whether that's true or not, that's the way it's being presented. However, that being put to the side, would not go all the way in his support of the Confederacy. He otherwise was completely in favor of the Confederacy. And I'll give you a, a couple of reasons. Number one, he looked at the Confederacy as kind of, as you said earlier, our earlier point, the more kind of traditional, religious-based, um, almost like Catholic Christendom Middle aged society, where he saw the North, in the very progressive um, modernist um, direction pius the the ninth who's you know fending off garibaldi you know these guys in the italian peninsula looks at lincoln like that's garibaldi in america and you know, these people do not support catholic values and north is moving towards this progressivism anti-catholic uh very kind of even like utopian make heaven on earth um type stuff and he says it as much when he's welcoming a lot of these uh, envoys. He is the only world leader to address Jefferson Davis as president. And a lot of people, a lot of different scholars have made, have wanted to downplay it and say, oh, it's just a kind of a, a term, a term. It's like, no, right? You don't have to, I, I write in the book literally, to show someone respect. You don't have to call them president unless you think they're an actual president. He calls Davis illustrious president because he believes, in fact, the Confederacy has this right to self-determination. He um, welcomes multiple Confederacy Confederate envoys in that chapter, the two kind of focal points are Father John Bannon, who is a Confederate chaplain, and then the Bishop of Charleston, Patrick Lynch, who actually was appointed as an official envoy by Jefferson Davis. And in all of his official statements, all uh, things that are kind of on record from the Vatican, he makes no bones about it, that he believes the Confederacy has the right to national self-determination, they're a legitimate government, and Davis is a legitimate president, and I, I don't like what's going on in the North, he says in so many words, However, what I said to Steve and what I'll say to you now too, I think it's awesome that he, all, he sees beyond that and says, but I can't go all the way in full support because you guys uh, support this slavery. This is evil. This is wrong. However you try to justify it, and the envoys do. They try to make all these kind of justifications. Pius basically tells them, writing to Lynch especially in the summer of 64, that it, perhaps if they themselves could have some kind of emancipatory act and neutralize Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, Vatican recognition might be totally formalized. So I, I think to your earlier point, I think you're correct. In my kind of you know 2, two cents opinion, I think you know, Pius was a pretty strong Confederate sympathizer, down to the kind of famous story I'm sure you're aware of, that when Jefferson Davis is in prison after the war, he sends him a signed photo with a crown of thorns, and he's like, you're suffering just like Christ for this righteous cause. You don't have to do that unless you actually believe in that, mm-hmm. that cause, right?
0: And and that crown of thorns is oh, yeah. so that crown of thorns is in the Confederate uh, Museum in New Orleans, Louisiana. <clears throat> uh, as, as is a as is a stained glass window of Father Abram Joseph Ryan, the 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 uh, conf the Confederate uh, the the poet priest of the Confederacy, as he was called.
1: The poet laureate of the Confederacy. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I've, I, yeah, I've seen him called Poet Laureate of the Confederacy, which some people say, well, that's not an official title. But uh, I've also seen him called the <laughs> Poet Priest of the Confederacy. So uh, there was a great – and he was – actually, he was a wonderful poet. Uh, some friends of mine, Loretto Publications, recently reprinted uh, the volume, the complete his complete poetry, which is actually a very large book. And the cover – it's funny because the cover doesn't look too much different than the cover of your book. Uh <laughs> Uh, but uh, anyway, so so there so there's um, the the bishop Lynch uh, who was the bishop of uh, now was was he in um, uh, was he the bishop of Charleston uh, or of um, Natchez? Where was he bishop?
1: Yeah, so uh, William Henry Elder is the bishop bishop of Natchez, Mississippi. You're exactly correct. That, uh, Lynch was Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston.
0: Okay, so Ly- Lynch was. Uh, so supportive. Of, so, okay. One of the things that you say, maybe there's a maybe. Maybe we can sort of segue to the bishops. You speak in terms of three different categories of sort of response among um, Catholics to the uh, to the war and to the Confederate cause. You speak of the bishops. You speak of the uh, the the priests primarily the priest chaplains, I believe, and you speak of the religious sisters. Now, I guess the coolest stories involve the sisters. Um, But, I mean, the most edifying, I suppose, stories involve the sisters. Of course, they're getting the chaplains uh, to work, too, because they're 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 advancing work of the chaplains by their own charitable work. But um, what was the response, by and large, of the Confederate bishops to the Southern cause? Were they yeah, were they so, were they gung ho? Were they reserved? Were they were they you know trying to pull the reins back on on the firebrands? What was their reaction?
1: Uh, yes to all, but if people are mathematically inclined, I would to like the 80th percentile in the first classification. A lot of them were very very gung ho. Uh, so so the point I make um, in the introduction of the book, I talk about this book being driven something called driven by something called the confederatization thesis. And the argument I'm making kind of in terms of historiography is a lot of people say, okay, Catholics Americanize in that classic JFK story. Catholics, you know, lose their ethnic identity, become fully part of the melting pot. It doesn't matter that I'm Irish or or French or Polish or whatever. I'm just American. I won't even speak my own native language at home, that kind of classic story. And that that's a 20th century, you know, post Ellis Island kind of phenomenon And I argue, you know, au contraire, it's actually, there's this confederatization thesis in the South that Catholics who are already well embedded, as we talked about, in this kind of congenital Catholicism of the region, uh, with a lot of um, enthusiasm, embrace the Southern cause.